What is up everyone? I'm Mario Fraioli and I'm excited to bring you the fifth installment of Common Ground, a monthly podcast co-hosted by me and Danae Doremi of The Grounded Podcast. In this episode, which we recorded last Wednesday, Danae tells us all about her experience at the recent New York Mini 10K. We talk about which events we were most looking forward to at the USA Outdoor Track and Field Championships. We discuss music, of course, and a lot more. As a quick reminder, Common Ground will be released monthly in both the Morning Shakeout and Grounded podcast feeds, so there's no need to subscribe to a separate show. If you have any questions that you'd like either or both of us to answer on an upcoming episode, or if you have feedback for us, just send us a message via social media, at the AM Shakeout or at Grounded Pod on both Instagram and Twitter, or shoot me an email at mario at themorningshakeout.com. Before we dive in, a big thank you to New Balance for sponsoring this episode of the podcast. If you're looking for a workhorse to run most of your miles in, look no further than the Fresh Foam X 1080 V12. Oh man, do I love this shoe. Longtime listeners will know that the 1080 has been my go-to training shoe for the past few years, and I can tell you right now that the V12 will be the shoe that I put most of my miles on for the rest of the year. I am absolutely loving it so far. The 1080 V12 has the perfect blend of cushioning and responsiveness. It's lightweight. It transitions smoothly. It has the most streamlined fit to accommodate a wide variety of foot types, and it holds up to heavy mileage week in and week out. The Fresh Foam X 1080 V12 is available in both men's and women's sizes on newbalance.com or at your local run specialty retail store. Check them out and give them a try today. This episode is also brought to you by Gooder, my favorite sunglasses for running, driving, walking the dog, and pretty much everything else that I do outside. Not only do they look good, they don't bounce, they don't slip, and they're polarized to protect your eyes. Best of all, they are super fun. I'm personally a big fan of the OGs, and as you all know, my favorite colors are still a Ginger Soul and Mick and Keith's Midnight Ramble. Gooders are also super affordable, with most pairs coming in at just 25 to 35 bucks a piece. So if you'd like to support me in the podcast, treat yourself to a pair or two or three of Gooders and head over to gooder.com slash Mario and use the code Mario15 to get 15% off your entire order. That's G-O-O-D-R dot com slash Mario and use the code M-A-R-I-O-1-5 to get 15% off your entire order. And remember, your face will thank you. Okay, that's all I've got. Please enjoy episode five of Common Ground with me and Danae Dormy. are back with episode five of yes. <laughs> Common Ground. Danae, since we last talked, you ran the New York Mini 10K, I sure <laughs> and I purposely have not asked you all that much about it, even though we did text back and forth after the race, but how was it? Uh, yeah, so much has happened, because I actually also, I think since we last talked, spectated the Boulder Boulder uh, as well, so I've been in a lot of, like, 
different events happening. <laughs> so uh, the mini 10K was great. I had a lot of fun on that trip. I actually think it went better than I had expected it to go. Mm-hmm. Uh, as everyone knows probably by now, I'm working with Nell Rojas as my current running coach. And um, she's helping me prepare for, in the long term, the New York City Marathon. But as part of my current and ongoing partnership with New York Roadrunners, I am going to be doing several races and one of them was the Mini 10K. So the course was around Central Park. I got to go into New York. I, I got to actually bring Reed with me, so mm-hmm. uh, my fiance, which was great because it kind of was a, a little personal trip for us too, just to get to be in New York and take kind of an early summer vacation. It is a little different when you're like, okay, I have to race in the middle of it. <laughs> I didn't get to like drink as much probably as like, you know, I, I would have normally going to New York and hitting up maybe some of my old, you know, favorite places to go, but it was so fun to like meet the New York Roadrunner team and yeah, the race itself was interesting because I am very undertrained for this. So, like, or I was undertrained for it a few weeks ago now. And so I was a little afraid of it because I haven't really run a race since before the pandemic. I ran mm-hmm. one, I jumped into like one Thanksgiving 5k last year, just with my dad and sister. I would say I walked most of it. I kind of just jumped in. I hadn't been running in 2021. And so I was like, yeah, I'll go out there with you guys today. I knew there would be a lot of walkers, holiday race. But other than that, have not run that distance in two, two and a half years. And I have not raced anything in two and a half years. So (laughs) it was pretty rusty. But uh, I talked to Nell beforehand and she was extremely encouraging. She had me on a plan to sort of I knew it was going to be a walk run, just mm-hmm. like for context. I knew I was going to have to walk because I'd only been training with her for like, gosh, I want to say like four weeks or something. So it's really coming out of nothing. And so I had a plan to sort of run for six minutes, walk for like 90 seconds. And I held that for a couple miles, which was great. But I think because, again, like I said, I just hadn't had enough training that that devolved to sort of a backup plan (laughs) after a few miles where I started doing shorter increments of like running for like more on based on feeling. I wanted to run the whole way. That was kind of like continue. Like I didn't want to just walk the last few miles or, or, you know, totally burn out. I really wanted to have a run walk routine through the whole 6.2 miles. That was my goal with the race. And so I'm very happy to say that I did that. So I kind of moved slowly, you know, in mile three to like a, run three to four minutes at a time, Mm -hmm. walk for one minute. Um, And that was kind of what I just, you know, had to fall back on. But it went great because I don't, I can't say I was like incredibly exhausted at the end. Um, I think the distance was a little bit long for me given my training right now, but I like made it through. I think I wrote on my Instagram post something like, hey, with a little bit of the the cross country grit and lower altitude, you can accomplish any distance. (laughs) Um, So it was helpful. I felt the altitude. It was a little humid, which was perfect because I have asthma. and Yeah, it makes it easy to breathe. Sure. I thought it made it a little easier when it's not super thick humidity. That can be Mm -hmm. that can be really hard on me. And when it's not super dry air, it's right in the middle. And New York was right in the middle that day. So it felt great for for my lungs. What was it like being part of a, a big event again? Now, this isn't by any stretch the biggest event that New York Roadrunners puts on. I mean, the, the marathon dwarfs them all. But there's 7,000 runners who yeah. take part in this. And you're in New York City. The New York Roadrunners make everything feel like a party. And you were right 
in the middle of it. And I know it's been a while since you've just been in that kind of environment. So like, take me through like race morning, going to Central Park, you know, lining up in the corral and just being a a part of this part of this thing um, that's yeah. happening in in New York with all this energy and excitement and people. Well, the cool part was it was the 50th anniversary of the race, mm-hmm. so I I would say that made it feel extra special. I felt like they were kind of pulling out all the stops. They were having kind of you know mini events in different places, and everyone was kind of talking about that. They made like a special T-shirt, and the, I could see that the medals. Uh, as I was running the race, of course, you know that uh, people walk by you when they finish earlier than you, and so I could see the medals said like a big 50 on them, and I was like, oh, this is it. Kind of motivated me to get to the finish line. But yeah, the beginning of the morning, uh, it was an easy, it was an easy, quick, you know, Uber ride. I took maybe three quarters of the way there and then I had to walk, um, you know, several blocks. I would say I walked like five or six blocks to get to the, to the start corrals, but it was like, it was totally like a party. We were on uh, the west side of Central Park about, I want to say we were at like 90th Street, um, for those who kind of are familiar with the city area. And they pretty much closed down a section of of that main street before we cut into Central Park. We ran outside of it for like, I don't know, maybe like a quarter of a mile. And that felt like a party because there was just some spectators along that route before you enter the park. And they played music. They had announcers. And actually, in my corral, right when I jumped into it because I was I didn't want to walk all the way back because like they had all these letters and I I was standing right at the start line so I was like you know what I'm gonna just wait till my corral gets to me so I don't do any more steps um <laughs> smart <laughs> so I just that is a seasoned veteran line. right there yeah that's how you know <laughs> I was like oh okay they're still on the early corrals I just I'm gonna wait for them to come to me and when the corral got there I jumped right into mine and at the same exact moment Latoya uh, Snell jumped into the same Corral is me and she's been on my podcast and she's herself an amazing um just advocate in the running community and she has she's her own kind of amazing influencer and has a social media presence and so I had never met her in person and we literally stood next to each other in the corral as we got there so it was kind of cool to like see some familiar faces and like of course because there are so many people I don't know why I always expect my aftershocks or like my bluetooth to work it never does for the first like five minutes of races (laughs) um so it was nice though because I got to hear everything happening I think really took a took a video of me like running out of the you know out of the start and I think once I was there it was a little bit surreal I (laughs) forgot what it was like to just have someone say go or like hear a horn go and have like your adrenaline pumping and I started off and like I said I am not trained for this I was running like a 10 minute mile which for me was like way too fast for what I should have been doing at that time (laughs) and um and I did I held that for a little while but I think you got to get over the initial mile where you're like okay I'm I'm going (laughs) and then you're like okay let me pull back a little bit um but there were spectators the entire time it was a beautiful morning and it reminded me a lot of the course I ran for the Shape Women's Half Marathon, which was my yeah, sec- second half I think I'd ever run back then in Central Park. And so some of the same hills are in it, which I have like... They haven't gone anywhere today. With. <laughs> I did not know. Well, first of all, let me just say... They the don't New flatten them over the years, team, FYI. The New York Roadrunner team... I love them, but they were like, it's a flat and fast course. And I feel that I was steered in the wrong direction on that front. It was not flat and it was not fast. 
just, I dealt with the same hills in Central Park that I have always hated. And I, I love that park. Like, I love running in Central Park. I don't know why. It's like it's addicting. I do not enjoy the hills there. Like, by the, by like the 10th hill I had hit, I was Snapchatting the hills to my family in the middle of the race, which is really funny because I was holding my phone and... I was trying to have fun with this race. Normally, I probably wouldn't have been on my phone, but I was like, you know what? I'm going to grab some some stuff for like social media content or TikToks or do like a race recap. So I was taking videos here and there um, when I could. And I would always like send videos of each hill to my parents. I was like, you guys, it's hill number eight. <laughs> They were like, keep going. So I would get their little messages on my Garmin. Uh, they would pop up. So it was like, honestly, a really fun morning. I think I didn't take myself super seriously. I don't think I've ever just raced like for fun, actually. I think that's what I realized is like, I love running and races are just naturally fun for me, but I've never gone into it just being like, oh, hope, hope I finish and hope I'm just like going to be able to do this and just riding on the adrenaline of the crowds and, um, my parents' messages and knowing that, you know, I had like a beer waiting for me after. <laughs> like, that's kind of what I had. Hey, that's not a bad way to start your day in New York City. What was it like for you? I mean, you've detailed your injury struggles on this podcast and in other places over the past couple of years, but to cross the finish line running further than you have in quite a while and being like, and I'm healthy, like I'm healthy. Yeah. Um, did that like hit you upside the head at, at any point of the day? You know, it was interesting. I was, so even though I, I think I probably could have gone a little bit longer, I was still hurting. I don't want to like, like <laughs> downplay that. I think, I think I felt very, uh, heavy at the end. Like, I think that there was sort of this like feeling in my body, like, whoa, you know, this is not how I'm used to feeling. Like, like I said, I haven't really run these distances in two and a half, three years. And so when that's the case, like the feeling I'm used to feeling at the mm -hmm. end of a finish line or during a race or when I'm tired, it was like totally different. I think like, I really feel like I'm racing in a different body, like sort of not to be dramatic, but you know, I gained a lot of weight over the past, I would say like three to four years. And so feeling like a totally different person in this race was a little, it was a little jarring, but I also think I felt like more proud of myself at the end to be like, wow, I actually went into this race with a plan. I had like a team of people behind me. I feel okay. You know, Nell, Nell had me take, you know, the next few days off because she also knew I was going to be walking a lot. And I, I kept communicating with her over mm -hmm. text because she, what was funny is she was there actually. She also, yeah, she ran pretty well for someone who yeah. like quote unquote <laughs> hadn't been training for the past few weeks. I think she was like 32, 40 something. Yeah. I was like kind of right up there it was really funny i texted her the night before the race um and i was like no i'm going into this one on a prayer and she was like me too <laughs> and i was like yes <laughs> so that's we're in the same boat and <laughs> very different uh results but i think you know she, it was nice that she could just like relate to me on that front which was funny and uh, i think i i think at the end i just felt really accomplished honestly like i was really proud of myself that I felt positive about it. Cause for me, I think if you're somebody who's gone through a lot of pace changes throughout your life, there is definitely like embarrassment associated with not being the runner that you used to be, or maybe personal, like you, you're shaming yourself or, you know, whatever it is. I've been there. Like I've been through mm -hmm. all of those phases. And I think I was just most proud of myself that I, I basically just had fun the whole morning and I felt 
really good about finishing. Like there was still people coming in. Like I felt like I was among people of my um, pace group. I'm, I really wanted to stay with people who were walk running because I just knew that if I surrounded myself with walkers, that's not a bad thing to be out there walking. But I was like, I personally wanted to just continue to test my body a little bit and see if I could run. So I wanted to stay with people who were in like that, that pace area. And, and I did. So yeah, I, I mean, I thought I was going to walk half of it probably like I was like maybe maybe I'll make it to mile three so it just felt good I think to to be out there again and and feel that but it is a very different feeling it was a very different feeling than my I guess my past years in racing well I'm super proud of you it was really exciting for me to wake up that morning and go to the New York Roadrunners tracker <laughs> and see yeah, that yeah. because of the three-hour time difference uh, you had already finish the race. It was, it was like done and dusted. Um, by the time that I was up and moving around that morning. Uh, but I know just how big of a step this was for you. I mean, as we yeah, had talked totally. about, you hadn't gone that far in quite a while thinking about not to get too far ahead, but New York city marathon at the end of the year, you returning there, um, to do the whole damn thing, another 20 miles finishing in central park, much like you did, you know, for, for this event. And, just to check that box and be like, all right, first big step behind me now. And you yeah. can continue moving forward and chipping away at this big goal that you've had for a long time because this whole New York City Marathon thing yeah. was supposed <laughs> to happen two In years 2020. ago. <laughs> yeah, it was two yeah. years ago. And, you know, it's, you know, it's on track for 2022 here. But I know just because of what we talked about, injury struggles, you know, bodily changes, you know, just comparing yourself to, you know, who you used to be like, it, it hasn't been an easy journey. No. for you. But yeah. to <laughs> go into this race, and like you said, just accept where you are right now, even if it's not where you've been in the past, but to have fun doing it to push your body appropriately, um, to leave it with the confidence that, okay, I can complete a 10k. And well, and sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. But one thing I told Reed is he asked me, how do you feel like right after the race? And I think one of the first things I said to him was like, wow, you know, I feel like I can finish a marathon. I think that's like what I said is I was like, I felt Love it. very like gritty, I guess is the best way to put it. Like, I think I, it restored my confidence in myself that I really don't give up on things. Like mm -hmm. you would really have to drag me off of a race course to finish. I, I try to be aware that like, I don't want to injure myself. I'm very aware of that. But in terms of like giving it your all, like I really would, you'd have to drag me off a course. Like, and so I think that's just like, athlete in me, you know, mentality of like, uh, I wouldn't, I would never want to do that. And so I, I felt good because I think I've been doubting myself a lot. Like even in my workouts, mm -hmm. they were kind of hard. Like, you know, some of the walk runs I was doing with Nell, like right before I was like tired and I, I think I was struggling a little bit, but once the adrenaline kicked in, like I had some support on the altitude front. I felt like better just in terms of breathing. Um, yeah, I think that's what it gave me the confidence is like I can move forward. And even even if a marathon is a little bit of a stretch, you know, this year in terms of my past training, I do feel like I can do it. And I think that was helpful. Well, I love your attitude because you can't coach that. Um, that's just something <laughs> that is in, inherent to you. But it's a it's an incredible I would call it a skill to to have like that you're just so determined to do this damn thing. But everything that you just described, I mean, pace aside, because we all run at our own paces, I think 
every runner listening to this has been there in their own way. Yeah. I certainly have. I mean, I was very, very injured in my early 20s, couldn't run a step for nine months, got back into it. I mean, saw paces that I wasn't used to seeing, couldn't run distances that used to be really, really easy mm -hmm. to me. And the hardest part of that is accepting where you are at a given time and being yeah. like, this is where I'm at right now. And a lot of people if they're not where they want to be, that's when they quit. And they're just like, ah, oh, not, not worth it to me. But the determined people are like, well, this is where I am right now. But if I keep working at it, I'm going to be where I want to be eventually. And I just love hearing that from you. And I think everyone listening to this in, the, in their own way, I hope can relate. Yeah, it'll pay off. You know, that's what I keep telling myself. And it'll get less painful. I think I've never been in a place where running is this painful. <laughs> it was still painful in the 10K, but I hit some sort of second wind in like mile four that graced me. And I think I just was like, oh my goodness. Like I felt like I passed some sort of mm -hmm. wall or something. And again, I'm not even sure I've ever felt that truly in the past because I was always a-okay running, you know, six miles was like nothing for me five, yeah. you know, years ago. And so it was, it was interesting to feel that and be like, oh, okay, I got another burst of energy. Like I'm going to finish this thing. And, um, and that was great. And all the different run groups in New York city come out too in line around central park. So there was like different run groups, um, that I recognized like from social media, which was kind of cool, just seeing all of them out there and, and seeing like the New York community yeah. uh, cheering. So that was fun. <laughs> um, as a Boston guy, I'm not supposed to say too many nice things about New York, but <laughs> New York does have one of the best running scenes anywhere in the world. Some incredible crews and clubs and groups and just wait till the marathon. I mean, you thought that was cool. Wait till November when oh, you I go know. from Staten Island all the way to Central Park. You pass through all of the different boroughs, which each have their own personalities. I mean, groups tend to go where, you know, where they're, they're based. Um, it is just going to absolutely blow you away. I can't wait for you to experience it. Yeah, and also another fun perk to just being uh, currently, you know, partnered with New York Roadrunners is that they are uh, putting me up in their hotel. So I'm staying there where they house all of their professional athletes. And it's kind of just like a fun thing to experience, I guess, to come in as a, as an athlete that's being paid to be there and that's in partnership. It's like, I never thought I would have that type of experience. And it was so surreal because Reed and I were checking in with our bags and I, I just, you know, it's a normal hotel. I was like not expecting to see people. And it was like, every time I came downstairs, like I went to the little side area, um, you know, early in the day, one day and, and Alephine was sitting there. Um, and then like another day, like Dina Kasser, like walked by me, you know, going outside. It was like really surreal. Like I was passing all these people and seeing all these people. And I had never really been in that type of environment because I started my podcast in the middle of a pandemic. So a yeah. lot of the people I've interviewed or want to interview or follow, um, they're people I only know through the internet and through social media. So that was a very surreal part of it that I felt like, wow, two years ago, I was just dreaming of maybe running, you know, New York Marathon, like as just a regular person. And I didn't have a podcast. And then to fast forward and see where I am now was was kind of crazy for me. Like, I think I was, I had, did a lot of reflecting that weekend on how far I've come in two years professionally, too. Were you at the Hilton? Um, I was at the, I think it's the Sheridan. Okay. Yeah. So I forget which one, but it was, it's, it's near Central Park. Like, it's pretty, it's pretty centrally located. Yeah. 
I'm stoked that you got to experience that. Um, one of those two hotels is where they put the athletes up for the New York City Marathon. Right, right. And I, um, pro tip, I just go to the lobby during New York City Marathon weekend and I hang out and people are just in and out yeah. all day. I mean, I've been in this industry for a long time, so I know a lot of these people. It's not too creepy for me, but <laughs> I know that if I want to see someone, that's where to go because there's a good yes. chance that they're either going to be hanging out there, they're going to be passing through to and from and if i need to see somebody or make a connection that is my best bet it well, yeah i could definitely i felt the the industry vibes the all, all weekend and i was like wow you know like this is kind of what i worked for i think is how it felt so to reflect on that as a podcaster was really fun and also trying to be professional and like who do i bother and who do i not bother <laughs> and and figuring out you know those those dynamics but i did i feel i felt like a star <laughs> i love it well deserved well, other things have been going on and running. I don't know if you had a chance to catch the NCAAs. I actually did not watch them live because I've been like traveling like crazy. Um, but my dad was sending me a ton of links. And so I caught pretty much every replay, I think, at this point. Um, but it was that was a super exciting meet. I love college track. So I think that was a big one for me. <laughs> yeah, there's been so much going on in competitive running between the collegiate ranks, the high school ranks, which we talked a lot about on the last episode of Common Ground, and the professional ranks as well. I have not paid that close attention to what's happened in the NCAAs. So why don't you tell me what's excited you? I have, however, continued to pay closer attention than I have in recent years to the high school scene. And there have been, there's a whole podcast on itself, all these high school nationals that have happened. There's like New Balance nationals. There's Nike nationals. There's like this Adidas meet. There's the Brooks PR meet. But there have been some incredible performances that I want to discuss. But since you brought up NCAAs first, why don't you fill us in on what caught your eye? Yeah. So my favorite race for sure, as I was excited because when I watched the replay, my dad was texting me through the live race because uh, of some of the results. And so it was the women's 3000 meter steeplechase, which is, of course, one mm-hmm. of my favorite events of all time. I am a longtime, you know, Emma Coburn fan. I lived for several years in the same city as Courtney Frerichs, who, you know, ran at UNM. So I've had a lot of, I feel like, time watching the steeplechase over the years. And I, I'm fascinated by this event. Like, I love watching this. This event, but to see Courtney Wayman take that event, and I believe she set a new meet record. She came in at nine sixteen, and I think it was Courtney Frerichs that actually held that meet record previously. But I what I was, right. yeah, but what I was most impressed by, I feel like Courtney was that was a long time coming for her. It was fun to watch her win. She is an incredible athlete to watch. I, I love watching her steeple. I'm sure we'll see much more of her in the future. But um, what I was excited about is that there was a Yale runner, actually, Kaylee DeLay, who is a junior at Yale. She is definitely no stranger to championships. I believe she's a cross country champion in the Ivy League. Um, you know, she's had a, a great career at Yale, but she was in I want to say second or third to last if you watch the replay and kicked her way all the way into actually she she made her move about I would lap four and um, she stayed up there and it was incredible to watch I don't think anyone thought she would be a contender and she came in second at 925.08 so I was really excited to just see a, a Yale athlete performing at that level and having someone to cheer for from my alma mater so my dad was texting me through the whole race like the the Yale is still in it like <laughs> I was like okay like let me know what happens so it was cool to see her to see her get a, a top placement there <laughs> 
I need to get on the track text thread with you and your yeah. dad so that he can keep me updated on yeah. the meets that I'm not able to watch, which are mostly the the collegiate ones and some of the high school stuff, uh, because I was just completely um, out of it with, with that. And I haven't been following things like super, super closely, but the high school championship meets of, of again, which there are, are many have been super exciting on both the boys and the girls side. And for me, I mean, he's probably my favorite runner of the year at any level of the sport is Gary Martin. I just like this kid. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> he ran 357 by himself in the mile at his league meet. He won the pen relays in 401. He's kind of right. got this like... I love his um, vibe. <laughs> na- na- he's got like a Napoleon Dynamite sort of look to him. Um, and he just seems to be a great kid. I've listened to him in some interviews and he's like a big sports fan. And he's he's a good interview, which is rare for a high school kid because many of them aren't comfortable doing right. media. But he came out on top, won the New Balance Outdoor Nationals in 403, 0.57 um, was not really challenged. Second place was like 406, but ended his high school career with a, a national title asterisk next to it because there's other national right, championships right. as well. Um, the other more recent high schooler who has caught my eye, I don't know if you saw this girl, Addie Wiley. I think that's how you pronounce her last name. Uh, it's W-I-L-E-Y. She ran a 426 1600 not wow. that long ago, like within the last couple of weeks. And I think that makes her the fastest high school 1600 meter runner. And it easily converts to a sub 430 mile in quite a while. But she dropped down to the 800 at Nike Outdoor Nationals and won in 204, which just shows that she's got some great range. And I think she is a junior, if I'm not mistaken. She might even be a sophomore, sophomore or junior. So someone that um, I'll certainly be keeping an eye on over the next couple of years. I mean, high school running is just like off the hook right now. I I know. Five boys who've broken four minutes in the mile this year alone. That's that's never happened. Uh, there was a kid. I feel at like the every Brooks- time I log in on social media, a new kid breaks four minutes. In the mile. Yeah, there was a there was a kid at the Brooks PR meet who apologies that I don't have his name in front of me right now, but ran three fifty nine and had a four oh seven personal best going in. He's from South Dakota. Um, wow. Simon Simeon Simeon Birnbaum. Um, Okay. He was the fifth guy this year to go under four minutes in the mile, ran 359 and had a huge PR. It's just like, this is crazy town. Um, and then my other favorite high school runner, Cade Flat. He's the kid from Kentucky, 800 meter runner. Um, as good as Gary Martin is in interviews, Cade Flat is, is just as or more entertaining. <laughs> His confidence, as I alluded to on the last episode of, of this show, is just like for the ages. And he just missed the national 800 meter record again by like tenths of a second. And I don't know if he'll have another opportunity this year to break it. I think he's going to run USA's this weekend. Uh, I'm not completely sure. I started following him on social media after our last episode. (laughs) I'm I'm very excited to follow his career. So the high school stuff is really exciting me right now. 
That's amazing. Yeah, I am so impressed by the high school performances we're seeing. I feel like we're going to have many good years of track headed our way in the collegiate scene as well because of that. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be a, a trickle-down effect, which doesn't sound yeah. like it makes any sense because uh, these kids are so young. But as they move up to the collegiate mm -hmm. ranks and then some of them become professionals, it's only going to make American distance running stronger. But at the high school level, I mean, there are kids across the country who are seeing these performances and are like, well, that's what it's going to take now to make it to nationals, to place at nationals, to wow. be in contention to make a, a college team. So I've got to like up my game. And I I really think there's a, a power in that. Um, when you see, especially in this day and age where it's so easy to get results, follow people on social media, even look at people's day-to-day -day training to, to be inspired by that. I mean, you could also fall into the comparison trap too, which is a whole nother conversation. Right. But I think it's a good thing overall for the sport and it wouldn't surprise me, you know, to see even more boys breaking four minutes next year to see, yeah, you know, I, I don't know if we'll see quite the flood of girls breaking two minutes in the 800, but we'll certainly see more of them over the next mm -hmm. couple of years or the number of girls who are running, you know, in the 420s for a mile in high school. I mean, it's just a it's a really exciting time to be a fan of the sport. Certainly, the, the, I like the high school side of the sports. It's just so pure. I, I mean, it's kind of devoid of a lot of just like the politics and, and BS that tend I to agree. end up in the professional ranks. But I'll leave it at that. <laughs> I would love to. I would. I'd love to get my dad on here because um, I feel like he probably has a lot of feelings too on what he's watched. Uh, you know, change over time as a high school coach, like watching his athletes and watching their resources change, watching their connection nationally via social media change. Like I said, I just followed that, that kid kid the other day on social media. And I'm thinking, wow, like that almost feels like I'm following a pro athlete, even though, mm -hmm. you know, what does that reach mean for these, these really young people? And, um, how does that alter their decision-making around college? I don't know. I just think it's like fascinating as a college professional as well. Well, since he's probably listening to this and because it's our show and we can do whatever we want, I think we should have your dad on at some point and we can talk to him about this because I would love to get his perspective as someone who is a longtime coach and athletic director and knows this scene very, very intimately. Yeah, definitely. He, he's got so many thoughts. I know he's actually hoping he can get to to worlds as well um, with some of his old teammates this summer. So I feel like there's so much track coming at us in these like three months and in this short span, it just feels like there's so much to watch. I'm almost overwhelmed by it, but it's also very exciting. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, even less than that today, because we're having this conversation the third week of June and this coming oh, yeah, weekend, <laughs> by the time this gets published, USA's will have happened and yep. Worlds is happening earlier this year. It's mid-July. Yeah. So that's happening just a few weeks from now. And then there are still going to be like Diamond League meets and all of that um, that come afterward later into the summer. So you're right. We've got a few months of track still ahead of us, but like we are in the thick of championship season right now between high school, college, USA's, um, a lot of countries just had their national championships, and then the world championships will be here in the U.S., in Eugene, Oregon, in mid-July. And it's uh, a little overwhelming, if I'm being honest, but exciting, just the same. Yeah. What are you excited about seeing at USA's this weekend? I know you're going to be kind of busy because you're you're out on I, some you're on some trail running stuff and some <laughs> ultra running yeah. stuff <laughs> um talk a, talk about an all-day affair but western states uh endurance run is definitely an all-day affair the race starts at 5 a.m right and hopefully um 
if everything goes well, my athlete will finish later that day. Um, we're hoping before 8 p.m. That would be great, but somewhere around that time. But it's, it's a long day, and yeah. it's logistically a, a bit of a nightmare because we're driving around from aid station to aid station because it's a point-to-point -point course, and we're in a very remote area of California, so we don't have a ton of service. But um, I will be on my phone quite a bit this weekend, uh, Saturday, specifically, as I'm one trying to just keep tabs on what's happening at Western States, because we really don't know otherwise what's going on in between the aid right. stations. But I also as a track fan, want to keep an eye on the US outdoor championships. So for me, um, I'm really excited for the women's 800 meters. I think we've talked about this on a previous episode of this podcast. But the depth here in the US is just so, so good. And I believe all three Olympians are back. I think Mo, um, Ajay Wilson, and Raven Rogers, but then throw in Allie Wilson in there. Sage Herda, who is just like having herself a season, um, has made a couple breakthroughs already. You got Nia Akins from mm -hmm. the Brooks Beasts. Uh, Olivia Baker from Atlanta Track Club. Uh, she made a world indoor team this year. I mean, that event is just so stacked. And I think the 800 meters is just one of the most exciting events to watch, period. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and there are prelims and I believe – no, I think it's just semis and finals. So it's a two-round ordeal. Um, but I think it's going to be really, really hard to make it out of the first round. So just like getting to the final is going to be an achievement. Um it is going to take something really special to put yourself on the podium and qualify for the world championships. And it's supposed to be really hot in Eugene this weekend. Oh. <laughs> I don't know how that will affect the 800. It'll certainly affect the the longer races. Yeah. But I mean, I think I think we could see some like 155, 56, 57 type of times just to make the team, which is kind of crazy when you think about it. I feel similarly about the 1500. I that's I love watching that race and I'm looking out for I mean I I'm excited to see some of the I follow the boss team pretty closely because mm -hmm. I've been a longtime fan of Emma Coburn and actually she will be uh coming out in the steeplechase with uh Colleen Quigley, Courtney Frerichs. I feel like I haven't seen Emma Coburn race in a while. I know she's done some races um this year leading up um kind of some rust buster type stuff because I follow her pretty closely and I'm excited to watch her in this one. But but back to the fifteen hundred, Corey McGee is in that, Josette Norris, Ellie Purrier St. Pierre, um Danny Jones. So kind of similar in terms of the slate you just mentioned in the eight hundred. I feel like it's gonna be it's going to be a pretty tight race there. So I'm excited about that one. <laughs> yeah, that women's 1500 field's really good. Heather McLean, who right, made yeah. the Olympic team. Mm -hmm. I mean, um, Josette Norris, who I think had one of the better seasons last year of anyone who I, didn't I make so too, the yeah. Olympic team. She broke four minutes in the 15. You have a number of women who are like right at or just under that four-minute mark. Carissa Schweitzer, yeah. um, Sinclair Johnson from, I believe, Union Athletic Club now, formerly Bowerman. That's going to be another hard team to make. I think we could see a really um, fast 1500. I love watching uh, Ellie Parier St. Pierre race. Um, oh, me too. Going back to this past indoor season, she didn't make the team in the 1500 and yeah. was pissed and really <laughs> threw down in the 3K, made the 3K team, did really well. But that's not the race that she wanted to be in. I think she's really proud of her status as one of the top 1500 meters, certainly here in the U S if not the world won the trials last year 
in very convincing fashion. And this is another like prelim final type of deal. But I have a feeling that she's going to race similarly to how she did last year and just not leave it for chance and really try to control that final. I mean, she's obviously got to get through first, but I don't think she'll have much trouble doing that. But really control that final and make everyone else run her race and say, if you're going to make this team, you're going to run my race in order to to do it. Um, so I'm excited to watch that one go down too. Agreed. Well, I will send you texts that you probably won't get until after <laughs> if anything ex- super exciting happens. <laughs> yeah, those aren't going to come through very efficiently, unfortunately. <laughs> um, but please do. Please definitely send me the text because I'm not on Twitter or anything like that. So that'll be how I get a lot of my updates when I can't actually watch the races themselves. Um, on the men's side, I mean, I just mm-hmm. love the 1500. And I... I'm really curious to see how that one shakes out because there are a number of guys in the field who I don't think have the world standard. They're north of 335. So if they want to make the team, they really aren't going to have many other opportunities between now and Worlds to get that standard. So they kind of have to do it here at the U.S. championships. And I think for for that reason, you're going to have some guys who have to be aggressive and really make it an, an honest race. And um, you've got Cooper Tier in there. You've got Cole Hawker, mm-hmm. who is just a, a dangerous, dangerous racer. Um, John Gregoric, who's a 349 miler, uh, but needs a standard. You got Yared Nagusi, who just signed with On, um, formerly of oh, yeah. Notre Dame, who's going to be trying to make a U.S. team, missed uh, – made the Olympic team last year, but was not able to compete in Tokyo. Um, Hobbs Kessler, I mean, high school sensation turned pro, right. who's been kind of quiet and that under the stacked, radar. Yeah. <laughs> so it's uh, it's pretty stacked. And that's another race that's just really, really exciting to watch. But I think given what's on the line um, and the fact that some folks have to run pretty fast times, it could make for a really, really interesting event this year. Cool. Well, I will look out for that one. I'm excited. I haven't caught up on like the, the pre meet kind of, uh, predictions and stuff on the men's side. So I'll have to like give that a look. Before we move on, I think I would also like to talk about at USA's the 5,000 meters. Uh, this will be really, really interesting because it is supposed to be hot. Um, Hmm. And this race is pretty deep. There are a lot of Bowerman Track Club athletes in here who have a good shot of making the team. Um, Abdi Noor from Northern Arizona University, who I'm just a big fan of, Mm -hmm. has an opportunity to make a world team. Um, You know, the aforementioned Cooper Tier, uh, I think, is going to double here and be at the 5,000. I mean, this could be a a very interesting race for the three spots on the team. I mean, you've got some folks in there like Connor Mance, who I don't think has the standard yet, but he's like right on the cusp and he's a great racer. I could see him like trying to make this race. You've got Lopez Lamong, like the, the ageless veteran. Wow. Um, yeah. He's trying to make another, another U S team. Um, you know, Woody Kincaid, who's kind of been like quiet really yeah. since, lighting it up last year at the Olympic trials. I mean, you got Emmanuel Bohr in this race and then, you know, Grant Fisher, who, you know, is the indoor American record holder here in 
the the five thousand. Um, so a lot of great races on tap for, yeah, for USA. There's no bad ones. I mean, which is what you want from a championship meet. But I think it goes back to what we were saying about the the high school stuff earlier. Like U.S. distance running is just in a super a exciting time. Yeah. place right now, and it is. I, I think it's worth recognizing that it really is a a special time, and I. I think I said this last summer watching the Olympics. Um, it's it's worth appreciating. Uh, and I think mm-hmm. USA's um, will be something special this weekend. And we'll see who's going to represent us here at the World Championships at the same track about three weeks from now. Yeah, for sure. I wonder how hot it's going to be. I'm actually really curious. I'm going to go look up the Eugene weather, I feel like. So as of right now, it is looking like... 80 degrees on Friday, 92 on Saturday, Ooh, yeah. 94 on Sunday. Uh, so it's it's going to be toasty. Not yeah. ideal for distance running. We'll Not probably ideal. make for some exciting sprint events. We haven't really talked much about those, but sprinters like the heat. Uh, they can get warm a lot easier. Uh, mm-hmm. They're not running quite as long. Their races are seconds and not several minutes long. So um, I think we'll see some great sprinting as well, but we do not have the time nor the bandwidth, uh, nor probably the knowledge to really expand upon that aspect of USA's right now. True, true. There was an amazing 200-meter women's sprinter at NCAAs, uh, Abby Steiner from Kentucky, who it was like a personal best, a meet record. I also think it might have been a might have been a world lead time. Uh, I think it was a 21, 21 eight, and it was it was she was flying like it was such an impressive race. Uh, I would say she had it on lock the whole time. So I yeah, that was my favorite sprint one to watch at NCAAs. <laughs> the 200 is my favorite sprint. Yeah, me too. <laughs> the hundred's like too short for me. I have an incredible appreciation for it. I mean, just the start that you need to have, how quickly you need to be able to accelerate, the power that you need to be able to carry across the track. But the two hundred, because it's a little bit longer, I think also because it has the turn and things are staggered, it just is visually more appealing, but also just has a bit more drama to it, which I've always appreciated. It does. It does. Yeah. That. Well, if you want an entertaining 200, you should go back and watch that women's final in the uh, NCAAs. <laughs> okay. I am sure all of those or most of those races are on YouTube, so I will check them out. Cool. Well, what else is new with you? What else are you looking towards or what else are you enjoying out in the world of either sports or media or music? <laughs> Well, music is one of the through lines of this podcast. I went down a huge Post Malone hole yesterday. (laughs) I did not see that one coming, but okay. (laughs) I like to keep you on your toes. Uh, It popped up (laughs) on a random YouTube playlist that I was listening to. And I was like, oh, I think this is Post Malone. I'm like, oh, this is Post Malone. And he was recently on the Howard Stern show and Mm -hmm. played some of his new tracks and gave an interview. So I went back and watch some of his music. He's an interesting guy. Uh, He's a really, really interesting guy. I mean, I remember when White Iverson came out years ago. Um, That's really the the song that put him on the map. Uh, The other one that a lot of people will know is called Circles. Um, That's a common one that you'll hear on the radio. And for some reason, like in my head, I was like, oh, this dude's been around for a long time. He's really only been around for like four years. He's yeah, only 26 no, he's... years old. I thought he yeah, was <laughs> way older than that. And I was like, yeah, he's only 26 years old. So yeah, no, I... I don't identify with him generationally. So, 
Yeah. It's, probably he probably is like a zillennial or something in there, but yeah, no, yeah, interesting. I, yeah, I don't, I don't know how you'd classify him there, but then his musical style is so unique too because he does it all kind of. He's got a hip hop element to what he does. He yeah. can go country. He covered um Pearl Jam on Howard Stern show. Wow, I'm gonna have to go watch that. Yeah, unexpected like turn on our podcast is a deep dive into Post Malone and and he's and his. heavily he's heavily tatted. I mean, literally is, tatted yeah, no. from head to toe. I mean, his face has a lot of tattoos on it. His arms, everything. So I went and looked into his tattoos. He's got um. Gold teeth wouldn't do it justice, but he's had a lot of dental work done, intentional dental work. He's got gold fangs in his mouth, which I found super duper (laughs) interesting. And as I was watching interviews with him and performance, I'm like, oh, he's got a cigarette in his hand like 99% of the Mm -hmm. time. Turns out he's addicted to nicotine, as a lot of smokers are, and smokes like 40-something cigarettes a day and really can't help himself, which um, I hope that he can because he – is a new dad or has a young daughter on the way. Sounds like he's got a, a partner who means a lot to him who's, who's helped keep him kind of on the straight and narrow because he's had issues with alcohol in the past. But listening to him, especially considering the fact that he's 26 years old, he was just really considered and thoughtful and very polite, honestly, as well. I watched videos of him meeting an autistic kid in a restaurant and just being like incredibly kind and giving him his time and you know it's just a random run-in and he happens to be this kid's you know favorite musician so uh anyway i don't know how we got on this but that's 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 the rabbit hole that i i went down yesterday i went yeah i went down a very deep post malone i can tell you and you know uh, about his dental work yeah listen to a lot of his music and Tried to learn as much about him as I could, but that's just that's just my personality. Like I, I will see something that catches my interest, and then I take a very, very deep dive. Well, I, I love that. That that was unexpected, and I appreciate it. I'll have to go find some videos of him now. <laughs> but uh, there are a lot of them on the internet. Yeah, I don't doubt that. <laughs> I am excited about so many different things happening in music right now. Well, it's interesting because on the much softer side, Jack Johnson is dropping an album tomorrow, uh, which I'm really Ooh. excited about. And I'm a very long time Jack Johnson fan. And he hasn't put out new music in several years now, like I want to say like three or four years. And so he has his op- lead single out now, I think Meet the Moonlight, but the full album follows uh, this week. So I'm excited about that. It's a very nostalgic, like childhood sound for me almost. And I saw him live when he was in Albuquerque, which I never expected him to come through here because a lot of the gigs he does are in Hawaii or Mm -hmm. uh, California, Pacific Northwest, you know. It's pretty, uh, that's his vibe, <laughs> I would say. Uh, very like flip flops sitting on your back porch, like playing, you know, uh, an acoustic guitar. But he did a show in Albuquerque and when he was playing live, his, he said he comes here because his wife likes the, the the space and she really likes visiting new mexico and so he's like i i try to have trips out here every so often for concerts because my wife loves it here so i thought that was really beautiful um and it kind of brought me closer to his music when he came uh you know before the pandemic but he has a new album out and then my other favorite band they're very low-key they're not super well known i think they're getting more well known i've told you about them before mount joy Mm -hmm. Uh, i'm going to see them at red rocks later this year and uh they dropped an album last week orange blood and anytime i get new mount joy music it is 
like life-changing for me. So they're Reed and I, they're one of our favorite bands and also kind of on the same like thread of, you know, sort of alternative indie, like Americana folk music. So I'm definitely going on this on that side today. But uh, but Mount Joy, I think that their lead singer, Matt Quinn, is his sound is just amazing. But because we got to see them live and kind of meet them and interact with them, I feel pretty close to their music too. And um, I love their keyboardist, Jackie. She's so fun to watch perform and just seeing how she navigates being the only woman in the band every time I watch like interviews or things with them. And their new, their new record is amazing. They have a track on there they did with Creed from The Office. So if you're a fan of The oh. Office, um, it's just kind of a, a fun little thing in there. They like have him in the music video and stuff. And so uh, just like a fun add on their album. But the actual songs are incredible. And I like the lead track Orange Blood a lot. So yeah, well, that's probably what I'm listening to right now. <laughs> I always appreciate your music recommendations. I am going to queue up that Mount Joy album for my ride up to Tahoe tomorrow. And I'm also going to get that new Jack Johnson album. So I love Jack Johnson as well. I mean, he, I mean, talk about a vibe. I mean, oh, you'll, yeah. <laughs> even if you're in New Mexico or California, like you'll feel like you're just sitting on a patio with him somewhere in Hawaii as he's like tickling the guitar and just like singing harmoniously. So, well, he um, kind of got me through college. Like, that's why I think I had, I went to like the dark and dreary East Coast from New Mexico, which is like, you know, over 300 days a year of sun, you know, or whatever it is. And so I would queue up Jack Johnson, like, you know, while I was studying and his music never distracted me. So I think it mm -hmm. kind of unexpectedly became like this music I have on in the background when I'm just trying to read or study or relax. And so, yeah, I'm so excited. I think his, it sounds amazing, his new work. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, some music makes you sad it's supposed to but jack johnson's music will not make you sad so <laughs> if you need to pick me up uh if uh, well it's not winter time right now but if you're trying to get through a dreary east coast winter uh or you're just having a tough time cue up some jack johnson it will solve all of your woes <laughs> i agree i agree well what, anything else mario <laughs> No, I think uh, we can wrap this one up. Always fun to catch up with you. Danae, loved hearing all about your New York mini 10K experience. And thank you so much to everyone for listening in. Yeah, we'll talk to you later. And I guess we'll talk again next month. <laughs> All right, that's it for this installment of Common Ground. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen in. Also, a big thank you to both New Balance and Gooder for making this episode possible. If you're looking for a workhorse to run most of your miles in, look no further than the Fresh Foam X 1080 V12 from New Balance. This shoe has the perfect blend of cushioning and responsiveness. It's lightweight. It transitions smoothly. It has the most streamlined fit to accommodate a wide variety of foot types, and it holds up to heavy mileage week in and week out. The Fresh Foam X 1080 V12 is available in both men's and women's sizes on newbalance.com or at your local run specialty retail store. Gooder sunglasses are my favorite shades to run in, drive, walk the dog, and more. They don't bounce, they won't slip, and they're polarized to protect your eyes. Best of all, they're super affordable, with most pairs coming in at just $25 to $35 bucks a piece. If you'd like to support me in the podcast, treat yourself to a pair or two or three or ten of Gooders and head over to Gooder.com slash Mario and use the code MARIO15 to get 15% off your entire order. 
Before we wrap up, I'd like to give a shout out, as always, to my man, John Summerford. He's produced every episode of the podcast and is the reason this show sounds as good as it does week in and week out. Also, thank you to Chris Douglas for being my right-hand man and handling sponsorship sales, and Jeffrey Stern for managing the AM Shakeout social media accounts. I don't have a big team here at the Morning Shakeout, but these three guys have been crucial in helping keep things running smoothly. Last thing, if you're digging the podcast, I encourage you to sign up for my newsletter. It's also called The Morning Shakeout at themorningshakeout.com slash subscribe. And in it, you'll get a collection of things that I've been thinking about reading and listening to lately that you might enjoy getting in your inbox every Tuesday morning. Okay, that's all I've got for this one. I'm Mario Fraioli, and on behalf of Danae Dormy, this has been another episode of Common Ground.